got the real deal now. Ooh. Gonna kick this sorry ass out on the street. Welcome to the Northern Wrestling Podcast. My name is Robert Fuller, and returning to the show is the host of the Water Maneuver Podcast, uh, double podcast, Joe Drink. Joe, thank you for being back on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, co-host, I guess. I don't know. Have you have you tried to get Eric to come on this show yet, or uh, not yet? Because um, I'm not trying to, try to find anything. I know he wants to look like you know, like funny type, like type angles and matches. But as soon as I find one, I'll, um, I'll probably mm. get him on the show. Um, yeah. Yeah. And what we're talking about today, um, for those who don't know, previous, after my Street podcast series, I've been with And I do like kind of front leap style, look at matches and angles and stuff in my lifetime. And what we're talking about today <laughs> is the um, I Quit match between The Walk and Mankind at Royal Rumble 1999. And the reason I chose this is it's probably one of the most documented wrestling matches in history because of um, pretty much it's been written about, obviously, Foley's written about it, and also is he- featured quite heavily in the Beyond the Mat, which people generally be probably the best wrestling documentary ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's definitely the most mainstream wrestling documentary ever. Um, best is, I don't know, it's different. They're all different. The, you know, a lot of wrestling documentaries are, they, they take sort of a different tack than other wrestling documentaries. A&E did a really great wrestling documentary before they were obsessed with shitty reality shows about um, real housewives from various locations. Um, and that might be Bravo. Whatever. You know what I mean. And before A&E sucked as a station, they did a really great wrestling documentary in the late 90s that um, has a more like historical bent to it than Beyond the Mat. But yeah, I mean, Beyond the Mat is a, it's a great movie. Uh, I, I like it a lot. I saw it in the theater when it came out. So... And yeah, it does take it. It definitely, having seen it, I think changes your perspective on this match in particular. Certainly, yes, it is. I mean, it's probably the most well-known non-Wumble match at a Wumble event. Um, and also, um, yeah. what we really like about the documentary is that I didn't watch John the Rats probably about two, three years after it was first released. But it also shows you. Really, the behind the scenes with this match, you get to see like a lot of like behind the scenes with both in stores and all that stuff as well. So I find it very interesting. Yeah. Um, pretty much this uh, whole feud between the two kind of stems in a way from the Austin Man feud. Um, there was one event where um, Kane and Undertaker both pin off at the same time to get a title off him. Um, so the next month they have a match between the two. And Steve Austin's the referee. Well, Steve Austin's become a dick and pretty much just fucks it all up. So Vince fires Steve and vacates the title. Um, they have a tournament for that at Survivor Series 98. And during this time, um, Mankind was kind of like taking this shine to Vince, who was like being really nice to him, even though he, liked the, he was like the most hated person in the company at the time. And Vince obviously takes a shine to him. And all throughout that tournament, uh, Mankind gets like an easy ride. He gets like Gilbert in the first round. 
and he faces Austin in the semi-finals and even though Austin had the match won, Shane McMahon helped him out, he was referee at the time and please make sure the Mankind won. He faces The Rock at the final and then there was a screw job and Rock wins the match by pulling Mankind into the sharpshooter and um, and Vince McMahon obviously wins the belt which is obviously a reference to the, the screw job uh, the year before. Do you think that was a bit too soon for that move? <laughs> every every callback to the Montreal screw job is almost certainly a bad idea. Um, I I I think that it was since it was at Survivor. Like I got it. Um, I also think that it's important that part of that was a turn, an actual turn from the Rock. Uh, yeah. Sean didn't turn when he. So that, there's kind of a spin on it. The worst one though was like WCW doing it sort of in reverse, like at Starcade, like a month after this. this that was like the yeah. worst, I think. But yeah, I mean, I just I think that's it. It's it's a thing that happened and it was impactful and it was important and we're gonna do a lot of stuff about it over on our show because we're coming up to that point in our little journey through history. But callbacks to it are usually ill advised and and just it doesn't it's. It's a bad idea, but I think the one at Survivor Series '98 um, is possibly the best of them, just because it is like it works in service of the angle, like it in in the service of turning the giving the Rock a major heel turn. It works for that. I think there are probably better ways you could have done it without being so spectacularly blatant about it. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah. I mean, ultimately, I think it does. Uh, I think it does work, um, and 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 that it got the Rock over as a huge heel. You know, going into Rock Bottom and then ultimately coming into um, Royal Rumble '99. I, I think I think it works. Um, yeah. You know, again, it could be done better, but it was still done well enough that it's not like offensive to me that they did it. Yeah, I mean, um, in Foley in his book, it was like he was like saying, "Oh, was the most like he, he thought it was like the most uh, creative ending of the you know of the year." And I was like, well, "Not really, because it just seemed to like rub it in, like especially Bret Hart's face saying, oh, it's like obviously it's probably the most con- one of the most controversial events, obviously in professional wrestling history.' But just just a year later, kind of the blase about it and see the woman in the face, I thought was a bit too far." Um, in terms of the feud itself, they have a match at uh, Rock Bottom pay-per-view, which ends as a screw job because uh, Mankind pretty much knocks out the Rock, but Vince says, well, he technically didn't pin, he didn't pin him and didn't submit, so you don't win the title. Um, Mankind does eventually win the title at the January 4th, 1999 war, and that's prominent mm-hmm. because that match was, that event was taped, and Tony Giovanni on WCW Nitro was on at the same time, uh, Kind of a spoiler alert, uh, Mick Foley's going to win the title and obviously slap them off. And that was the same day as the figure pull of Doom, wasn't it? That WCW. Um, yeah, yeah. The, so, <clears throat> so, WCW, their hubris in this period cannot possibly be overstated. Um, they were they were absolutely certain that they could not be touched by WWF. And so, yeah, they, 
they, they went ahead and said that uh, <laughs> they went ahead and said that Foley was going to win the championship, and 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 even went so far as to have Shivani sort of make this condescending scoffing noise and say, yeah, that'll put a lot of butts in seats. And um, immediately, like, a record number of people changed the channel. Um, and that was the first time, I believe, that was the first time that uh, that Rob posted a better rating than Nitro since, like, sometime in late 96. So, Yeah, that, that seems to be the end of Turning Point. I don't know, um, during that time, what, that's what's called Turning Time? So every program started, like, then if we started on the hour, it'd be like five past the hour to kind of keep you know, people still like tuned to their channel. Right. Um, now, now, so if you were now in England, were the shows aired like head to head or? Yes, no? in a weird way. I mean, um, in the UK, for me, for me at the time, um, Sky Sports, who own Fox in the, in the US, they show all the WWE events. And they used to show War on a Friday night. And then uh, Bravo Channel in the US showed Nitro at the same time. I don't know why not only is just slightly earlier. It used to show the Nitro and the Thunder like back to back on a Friday. Um, but weird, one weird thing was that w, they never show any WCW pay per views. So pretty much you have this night, this Nitro talking about this, all this big thing happening in pay per view. You don't watch the pay per view, so you have to wait another week to find out what happened. Um, so it was kind of was, it kind of was head to head. And then obviously when WCW died. Um, I was forced uh, out of business and WWE bought them and then now the show wore live at the time and then they kind of repeated a couple of times of, uh, throughout the week so that's the way okay. it works here now okay yeah. okay um, that's all very confusing yeah it is <laughs> <laughs> and you know we also I remember for a couple of them that we watched some of the rips we had were from uh, Sky Sports or whatever, you know, yeah. in the UK, and they were like heavily edited. Like they were two hour shows that were edited down to an hour. Yeah, it was I really weird. They used to do it at time, yeah. And, but now, obviously, they pretty much show it, show the whole event. Um, yeah. So, with this, um, obviously, Rock would like a rematch. Um, and so he goes, Oh, I, I want a rematch. And Foley responds with, Yeah, you're not championship material. Um, what kind of offers no certification, no count out, no interference from the corporation? Um, Mark Knight goes like, no, no, no. And then Walk goes like, well, I, I quit trying to get you a rematch. And my kind kind of like fixes it, goes, well, I accept it and it's going to be an I quit match. Um, and following his book was a bit worried about I quit matches because to be some good ones, obviously the first one was in 80, I think it was stock 85 between Tia Manum and Terry Blanchard, is it? That was the first ever one. Um, no, Tully Blanchard, sorry. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if the Magnum Blanchard match was the first one. I will definitely say that is an amazing, amazing match. I actually wrote about that match for Fair to Flare when it was yeah. still a magazine. Um, I don't know if that was the first I quit match ever, but it is fucking fantastic, and I would recommend that anybody who has the opportunity watch it. And if you have the network, it's watchable. So yeah. Um. So. We go with that, and then he was worried about that. And also, apparently, there was one match where uh, one of the opponents didn't know it was an I quit match. Uh, when the referee goes to him, Do you quit? Uh, he responded with, No, you quit. And that ended the match. So, on the side of the was a bit uh, worried about this kind of thing. Um, but in the promo video to this match, um, the, the whole story is pretty much about mankind like saying, Well, look, I've done all these things. He's been, he's been in matches where he's 
involving barbed wire and C4 explosives. Obviously, the reference to um, the Hell in a Cell match the year beforehand. And all the time, he like always kind of like left the wings with some help, like standing. It's like, oh, well, I've never said I quit, so I can't lose this effectively. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and and so I I I quit matches. I sort of understand, and I and there are some things about them that sort of jump the logical track for me. In fact, it's kind of addressed at one point. Uh, well, it's addressed in the finish to a certain extent, but it's also addressed at other points in this match. If if your opponent cannot respond, the match cannot end. Yes. So if you beat your opponent down too badly and knock them unconscious, for example, they cannot quit. So the match. You know what I mean? So in that respect, I think a last man standing or Texas death style match um, makes a little more sense. But I do understand, um, you know, there's a certain pride that that it's it's a humiliation thing, right? If that's the story you're trying to tell is that, you know, um, it's not about beating someone down so they can't get up. It's about beating someone so badly that they they have to make a conscious choice. They have to they have to make a positive action and say that they quit, that they want the match to be over. Um so I guess from that perspective I do understand it as a storytelling mechanic, but it's just weird to me that you would want to engage in a match with someone where if you beat them too badly, which is ostensibly what you want to do when the when when the when the feud has gotten to the point where you're asking for an I quit match, you know you've gotten to the point where you must want to put them in a bad way, and if you put them in too bad of a way, you can't win anymore because they can't say I quit. Yeah, and I suppose the refs got discretion. What's also interesting about this match is that right away, um, Michael Cole says the only way this match can end is if someone says I quit, but then he also says that the corporation has been barred from ringside, which means that. The match could also end if the corporation were to interfere because they're barred from ringside. Yeah. Or, okay. or they're not really effectively barred from ringside because then they can still interfere and the match won't be over. Yeah. Because the only way to win is sick. But it's it's weird. Always, I think you look at the match where you try to find that don't really help out the walk or maybe one of the things like you know walk is like no I need to do this on my own kind of thing. Um, on the on the um. Obviously, the other day of the event, um, they had the heat beforehand, and Mankind was the, was the tradition of to give him a warm match against Mabel. Well, that's his opportunity for Watt to kind of get a little bit of the upper hand. He wants to hit the Watt bottom, and then uh, Mabel kind of compounds the situation with him the splash. <laughs> um, we, um, in the Beyond the Mat documentary, um, obviously, this Nitric match, obviously, he knew it was going to be quite brutal as well, probably not the level he ends up going and we'll get to that eventually but you see him speaking to his youngest jury, it's like saying look, you know you know daddy, you know the walk's daddy's friends and it's not really hurt to them and they see like the walk speaking to the kids and they're kind of they're really shown that you know you know, your dad's going to be okay, that kind of thing and um, the narrator notices that like Foley's really nervous and yeah, this, to think about this is the biggest match of Foley's career, he is defending a world championship that a lot of people think we would never have at one of the biggest pay-per-views that WWE ever ever do. Yeah, it, well, <clears throat> I think, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, by by this, so the the Rock is the, now I'm trying to remember, the Rock is the champion going no, in, the right? Rock, the Rock is the challenger. 
The Rock is the challenger. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to remember how they, I, it, the match, like when I, I think when I jumped to the match, the belt had already come off and like, cause on the network version, I just skipped yeah. right to the beginning of the match and it was like, I think they just start by punching each other. Yeah, they do. Okay, the Rockets. So, the, so, oh, that's right, because Mankind wins it in January. We just talked about this. Mankind wins it at that Raw in January. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think, I mean, at this point, I can't believe that anybody except the the most naysayery of naysayers would still think that Foley wouldn't be the champion or wouldn't be defending it at a major pay per view. Um, and and. and I was thinking about this, you know, it's it, with Foley, the story of him getting that, getting to that title is really something I don't know that we'll ever see again, because even with something like Daniel Bryan, um, the closest I can think of, I guess, is Chris Benoit, who I know we're not supposed to, you know, but um, who also actually, in, in light of the Chris Benoit, like, incident, um, yeah. I think that makes this match also more like the the beyond the mat thing, and then knowing about all the stuff we know about concussions and yeah. Chris Benoit and all that stuff like that also makes this match kind of hard to watch. But as far as the the title chase, you know, I, even with Daniel Bryan, he's still a relatively young guy. He was in the Indies for a long time, but guys like you know Mankind, you know, McFoley and 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 Chris Benoit were were wrestling on a world stage. They were in major major promotions making big money and never had that opportunity, never were given, you know, that status until really very late in their career. I mean, Mick Foley at this point only has about a year of real active wrestling time left in him. I mean, yes, he would, he would go on and have occasional angles and still have some really great matches, but as a full-time wrestler, he's got only a little more than a year left in him. Yeah. At this point, and that's when he wins his first first world title yeah. is, you know, and so and I don't think I, I don't and I'm not sure that that's a bad thing or a good thing. I think the payoff is so great when you have something like that, but also you run the risk of someone who maybe deserves the title or could do good work with the title not getting their hands on it, you know. And I, and it, obviously it's not a conscious thing. Nobody said you know, we're never going to give McFoley the title for like 15 years just so it's going to be really great when he wins it. Like, you know, that was never the intention, but you know what I mean? Like, no one's going to... It's a different business, I guess, is ultimately what it comes down to. Like, guys get pushed higher, further, faster now than they did, you know, in in, in years past. And, um, and so I don't know that we'll ever get that kind of Foley or Benoit sort of like this is the realization of you know 15 20 years of of serious hard work in wrestling uh on a on a massive massive scale also partially because there are not two major major promotions i mean you say what you will about tna they're not wcw um you know, and 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 they're not another WWE. And and when those two promotions were going at it, and you had stars in both of those promotions, you could have something like that, where some one of the promotions would horribly misuse somebody. Usually WCW, but not always. Usually WCW would horribly misuse somebody, and then, you know, they would find success in in you know in New York, and that doesn't really happen the same anymore. I mean, TNA horribly misuses pretty much everyone. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 
Like I, I heard they just put the title on Lashley. I don't know why. I don't. I'm not had a chance to catch up with TNA in ages, but I knew Eric Young, which I, I, I can't. I'm sure I was excited, but I just hated his gimmick he was doing at the time. And that's why he was like world champion. And then they had this bit when um, MVP came in and kind of took over Western operations from Dixie. So he was like the good guy owner. The other story just turns heel. And um, now so number one came to at Slam anniversary, but he got injured. So that became Triple Shirt. But, but I'm not just had to watch the impact the last couple of weeks. I didn't realise Lashley. Um, I knew he returned. He returned a lockdown. But I didn't realise that he's now like the champion. Mm. Uh, yeah, sure, something like that. I don't. I just like I. All I saw was like, yeah, Lashley is TNA champion, and I was like, that's. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why. That's pretty much all. Like as far as I got, I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so, um, so, anyways, we can bring but, it back back to this now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um. I also would like to point out that at one point, and I'm trying to remember when, it might be when Foley gets knocked off the like balcony. Yeah. Um, Michael Cole lets a Christ Almighty slip out, <laughs> which I thought was was humorous. Um, yeah, um, so yeah, we get to the beginning, and Walk is obviously trying to come out first, and he's not wearing like you know your trunks. He's wearing like this like all black tracksuit hmm. type attire. Yeah, this is during the tracksuit era of yeah. The Rock, and. He did that for like two or three months, and I still am not sure why he was wearing a tracksuit for that time. Yeah, cause I know he wore it when he lost the championship to Mankind, and then obviously he wore it for this. I'm I'm not watched his um, match at you know the the last man standing match at the next the next month. Not watched that one, but I think he was wearing that at the time as well. Then he obviously stopped wearing it for the WrestleMania. Um, Mankind comes out as well, um, and the match pretty much starts with Mankind just hitting punches. And this one leaves the corner, and then later on it hits um, a baseball to the walk. And what I like about the, the first few bits of it is pretty much they get asked, they get the microphone and ask, you know, do you quit? And they're saying no. The walk is like going, no, the walk is going to kick your ass, and the walk is going to kick your fat ass all over the place. And that kind of made the crowd laugh, and I thought that was quite a good bit that they did. Yeah, I, the, the, I do like the constant retorts back and forth. I think, though, that you're, I mean, I think you're right. I think the crowd gets into The Rock's comments too much. I think is always, so that's sort of the double-edged sword of being a heel, right? For, the, yeah. for a lot of guys, part of being a heel is that you, you know, a good heel has to be able to talk. If you've got somebody who can't talk, they're destined to be a baby face. And, and they could be a great baby face. You've got guys like, who can't say a, a fucking word, be a great baby face, you know? Um, but I think that the big problem comes in is that good heels have to be able to talk. And eventually they have that kind of charisma that unless they're real motherfuckers, um, like really Vince McMahon is one, it did it really well. And even in the few times that Vince has tried to make himself as the baby face owner, it just doesn't really carry off. But the rock is just, he's, he's largely too charismatic to be, especially at this time to stay a heel for very long. And of course he does not stay a heel for very long. And ultimately, you know, he comes back at one point many, many years after this and the crowd kind of boos him for being a movie star. Yeah. The Hollywood you know, walk him, yeah. yeah. But he, I mean, that what was brilliant about that is that he came out and he essentially gave them a choice and he said, Oh, you know, you're going to boo the rock. And if the crowd had turned and started cheering him, I'm sure they would have rolled with it. 
but they booed him. And so essentially, you know, he just came out and, and, and gave the crowd the choice. Do you want me to be the heel or do you want me to be the babyface? And the crowd decided they wanted him to be the heel. But that was because of things outside of wrestling, not because of anything that he did or didn't do necessarily. But, you know, yeah, ultimately he's just too damn charismatic to, to you know. And now it's like a nostalgia thing. Like now we miss The Rock, right, as an, as an yeah. audience. Um we miss the rock enough that when he comes back, even if he's kind of horrible and kind of a dick, like it, the people will still share him no matter what. And, and so that's kind of the great problem. So I, I think, yeah, you get some of that where he does say some things to Foley that get a little bit of a chuckle from the audience. And I don't think it hurts the match in the long run, but I mean, it, it's, it's like, it's a nitpicking thing. Like if I'm, if I'm looking for flaws in this match, I would say that that's one of them, but ultimately you know, I, I don't think it hurts the quality of the match. The, the only thing that really, in my mind, hurts the quality of the match is, you know, kind of as we said earlier, it's just you see beyond the mat and you know what happens with Benoit. And, and it's just like all those all those fucking chair shots. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's really uncomfortable. Like, I was just looking away from the screen towards the end. Like, I was like, I this is hard to watch. Like, Yeah, it is. I mean, um, I mean just going back to, like, what is a heel? I mean, I don't think it, he's... I think he's been on being healed like three times, but it's never been for very long because it does, just the way he is, he's very common and does make the audience laugh. And I think the problem with that is that as a crowd, you ne- if the guy, if the guy's a bad guy and he, he's constantly making you, you know, like laugh, which is the way he is, it's going to be hard to boo that guy. So you you will end up cheering him, especially, especially when it was like Hollywood. I love when it was Hollywood. I think it's the best work he ever did. But some of the stuff he did was absolutely hilarious. And after a while, the crowd got back into it. Like, you know, you're supposed to boo him, but he's making me laugh. Why should I boo this guy? Right, right. And I think, and I think you know, for me, it's really guys at the absolute top of their game who are good enough. Like, the only one that I can really think of, even, I mean, even Flair, well, all of them will be baby faces at one point or another. Yeah. But I think... The one that I think of that that carries it off the best as far as if he wants you to boo him, he is good enough that even though he's very charismatic, very funny, very good, he can make you boo him as Chris Jericho. That, I mean, Chris Jericho, if if he, even CM Punk, when CM Punk was trying to heal it up for a while, he still got cheers. But if Jericho wants to be booed, he will get booed. He just, he's that good, you know? Um you know, and there's, you know, I mean, like, look at Sean, for example. Like, I think even if Sean came back and tried to be a heel, and Sean was a great heel many, many times in his career, there's no way the crowd buys Sean as a heel at this point. You know, I just, it's, he's so good, but he's so beloved, and he's so clever, and he's so, you know, like, you just, you can't, you couldn't get a boo out of Sean Michaels at this point. And you wouldn't want, I mean, you wouldn't want to unless it was purely for shock value anyway, so... Um. So yeah, but I think The Rock is is the, probably the most notable case of that. He's just so damn charismatic, and and you know the crowd wants to cheer him. So, um, but again, I don't think it really hurts this match in the long run because Foley is the ultimate like sort of you know lovable loser character, right? Like he's not a body. He's not he, and even the, the way the character like you feel bad for him because he's trying to be part of the corporation. He's trying to present a corporate image that Steve Austin can't or won't present. And he doesn't really get that Vince, you know, 
doesn't want him around and doesn't, you know, and so like the the audience in this time period cottons on to him because he for the same reason they do Austin ultimately. He's a very everyman type of character even more so though i mean he comes out you know and and he's overweight and he's missing teeth and he's sloppy and he's not you know and so i mean say what you will about austin and and austin is i mean austin is great obviously there is a very strong argument to be made that austin is the best of all time um but he's he's a guy with a body what you know no matter what he is a dude that is in better shape than you and not you, Robert, but like you, the audience. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Steve Austin is a dude who's in better shape than all of you know, and and that to a certain extent he, he never become he'll never be as identifiable as identifiable as Mankind or Mick Foley to a lot of the audience in that way because Foley again is a guy who's who's and also I think people kids who want to be wrestlers which is a terrible idea. And I speak from experience. Um, but you know, it's, it's easy to look at mankind and say, well, if that guy can do it, anybody can do it. It's, you know, and he proves that it's about the performance and about the, the, the act of the, of the thing and not about the body. He's not, he's like the anti Lex Luger, you know, (laughs) or, or psycho Sid, you know, um, there's a bit where, um, after there's a bit where, Mark says Mankind flying into the steel steps, and the way Mankind does always moves, it doesn't go, doesn't lead, doesn't put his back into it, it, kind of like goes knee first and goes flying over the steel steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what is his time to um, become a temporary commentator? Uh, grabs uh, Cole's headset, starts talking about how great he is, and then, but he doesn't see Mankind come up behind him. It's not like bitching at the king, the king's going, like, dude, there's someone behind you, don't try to warn him. Um, yeah. and mankind like keeps on like then attacks him. Um, the I think then goes back into the ring and the mankind hits a double arm DDT and then applies the mandible claw, the mandible claw with Mister Soho. Um, and to go back to what you were saying about earlier is that you don't want to beat the opponent too much. Robin can't say trick because the walk does fade here, and mankind gets the referee to ask the walk. Walk understandably won't respond. Um, so Mankind goes like, okay, well, get up, I'm going to split up this ridiculous eyebrow of yours, and then starts uh, stomping um, Walk's head, and he actually goes to the trial, and there's a brutal bit where like Walk is against the barrier, and Mankind runs towards him, and Walk counts it with power slams, and they're both flying over the barrier. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very yeah. brutal. I didn't raise the time until I watched the documentary, that's like right near where all his family was. Yep. Yep, you can see that you can see them uh, if you know what they look like. Obviously, you can see them on the yeah. uh, on the broadcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, what now gets back into it, and then um, slam mankind heads against steel steps. And there's one bit, and this go back to like what being really charismatic. Um, he grabs the bell and uh, wings at the top of mankind's head. Um, it then sings, "They will be ringing," and then does it again. And obviously, the crowd is like find that really funny and that must be deafening to him oh god yeah i i, I mean that's yeah. yeah yeah that's that's uh, those things are a lot i've never had that unfortunate experience yes. of having the bell rang right next to my ear but i yeah i mean you can only you can only imagine um that that is very unpleasant because it's loud enough to resonate through the entire arena so yeah. 
Uh, fortunately, it's not rung. Like he doesn't like hold it over his ear and ring it or anything like that. So at least at least there's that. But yeah, um, and there's going to be a what Christ and what bottom man trying to dispatch a night table, but they they all fall pretty much like all the way is on one corner. So the uh, the table just collapses before that can happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it sure as hell does. <laughs> it does you would think you would think after this happened that they would start reinforcing those tables at least a little bit, but then like the Kurt Angle Triple H thing happens, and since the setup for the pedigree is much worse than for the Rock Bottom, yeah, well, we know what happened there. But yeah, this is I, it, it's it's kind of funny because it's clearly nobody is hurt in in this particular instance, but they just yeah. stand up on the table and it just breaks underneath them. Yeah, <laughs> it's um. It's, you're always trying to like find that balance because you don't want to collapse too early, but you don't want to do the move and the table just doesn't break at all. You're trying right. to find that balance for it. Um, right. After what round does the Mark is like, you know, say, 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 say I quit now, you piece of monkey crap. And my head responds <laughs> with, up yours. Um, <laughs> what spits water in Mankind's face, which I assume is the same as like being slapped. Because um, that's obviously pisses Mankind off and he starts to fight back. Um, and this window actually goes up the aisle, and then um, you get them to go up to, to like this, but the second tier of the stadium because um, I think what gets an, um, a ladder, and uh, mankind like flatters them under the ladder for a minute, goes from one to the other, misses, and then what drops the ladder and, and up to that, climbs up to the second tier, and mankind follows him, and then they have a bit of a fight on the crowd barrier bit. And then mankind goes flying off and hits the um, the electrical board towers, and that hits that. You see sparks fly everywhere, and the arena mm. lights all go out, and the crowd goes fucking insane when that happens. Yeah, they go totally mental, and it's really like it's a very cheesy effect. Like it's very yeah. clear that nothing actually happened to Mick Foley at all. It's a really it's kind of a cheesy effect, but uh, yeah, the crowd gets into it, and I, I mean it's still a nice bump. It looks cool as hell. Yeah. Um, even though he's not really falling all that far, the fall from no. that, from you know, from that to that stack of stuff, and then which he then rolls off of is not, it's not that far, but it looks really good, and that's what's important. And then you know, this kind of hokey like Shane comes out and he's like, no, no, man, we're just gonna call it. Like he's he's too badly hurt, and the Rock is of yeah, course being the heel. I never thought yeah, that well, like Shane was out there. I uh, yeah I. Just because he, I mean, the thing, the sensible thing is that he's coming out and basically saying, you know, hey, like you just, well, you'll get the title. Like it's almost like it's a. I don't know if he's supposed to appear genuinely concerned for Foley, or if you're supposed to think that he's trying to end the match early to give the Rock an easy victory, or what. What we're supposed to read from that, but yeah, he comes out and essentially, you know, whatever his motivation uh, as a character, he says, you know, no, that's you know, it's it's. He could have been electrocuted. This is horrible. Let's you know, stop the match. And the Rock says, no, no, no. No. He has to say, I quit. And then he goes right back to, to kicking his yeah. ass. Yeah, Shane's like, uh, okay. Kind of thing. He's like, you know, are you serious kind of thing. And then Mankind starts crawling down, down back towards the ring. And um, like Walker stops off in his head and crawling like a piece of trailer park trash. And you get a little bit like the commentators start arguing it. Obviously, Cole is concerned for these. No safety here, and he's like, he's kind of, you know, the pleading of what happened quit. And Kings is pretty much saying, like, you know, mankind should weep what it's all because this match was mankind's idea, and at the minute it's kind of, you no, know, it's coming back to hold him. So Kings like going, well, it was his idea, so you know, he should like 
deal with it kind of thing. Mm. Um, when they actually go back in the ring, what brings out handcuffs? And uh, base, and unfortunately, I, I, I didn't see this match until about a year after it happened. So obviously, I've seen handcuffs in, in wrestling, and every time it happens, I'm like, oh dear, this is not going to go well. Um, but even though Rock does briefly attack uh, Mankind with punches and kicks, uh, Mankind does, bring, does do combat with a low bro, um, headbutts Rock <laughs> in the groin, um, but Rock comes out to it with a... What, I know it's only a clothesline, but because of the way Foley lands, it looks really brutal because he's got his arms tied behind his back. And obviously, oh, you and Nogu, you train as a professional wrestler, but I know when you land, you kind of spread out to kind of lessen the impact. That spread right. the impact off on your back. You can't really do that if your arms are tied back and you could you could be putting yeah. a lot of pressure on, especially on your wrists. Yeah, and, and your shoulders for sure. Yeah. Um, so, um, Wok grabs a chair and puts a mic on it and then hits the corporate elbow on it. And um, this is when you get to see the children start to get a bit upset. Um, in the uh, documentary, um, so what well, the corporate up here was that was is probably the simplest move, probably the most goofy finishing move ever, but it's just the way the what does it is like very entertaining and just to drive someone's chair into a head. I didn't think anything of it at the time because especially to what happens a couple of minutes later, but Foley's reaction looks like he's, he's his eyes are glazed over. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the problem with the match from this point is that um, all it is is one dude hitting another dude in the head of the chair. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't, I didn't count, um, but like a lot of times. Yeah, he does. I mean, um, the thing is that, like, in, in Foley's book, um, it talks about, about um, this, I think it's like this senior executive on a TV company is, is, is Concerned about the level of violence that is happening in war on the pay per views. Um, so obviously they kind of like deal with that. And Mankind and Wok had the idea of having a set number of chair shots throughout. And the whole idea was that it kind of builds attention. So there appearing like like multiple chair shots, even like one chair shot, and then like the Wok like kind of builds attention, kind of get the crowd into it. Um, I'm assuming either Wok didn't get that memo, or they kind of changed it on the fly because. Before they, expect, before they get hit with the chair, I just expect what, probably two minutes for the next one. After four seconds, his chair shot number two. And he, he ends up getting hit with the chair to the head 11 times in like a minute and a half. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's not good. It's not, and again, like knowing everything about it after the fact, it's it's pretty uncomfortable. And there's one that like like I think it's the last one is on the back, like square on the back of the yeah, head, and there's like a giant gash that you can see in the back of his head, and it's like it's just, yeah, it's like whoa, dude, like that's, yeah, yeah that, that's the thing that, that got me. It was like um, so halfway through the chair shots, what goes down? Say I quit. It's, it's demanded it now. And for the goes, you have to kill me. And the cover says like, oh mm. shit. <laughs> uh, and obviously, because the finish is supposed to be up the aisle, so Butler's kind of trying to get, he's trying to get up there, while Walk is like beating the shit out of him with the chair. Um, at this point, in terms of Foley's family, the kids are now really upset, the wife's really upset, so they've mm-hmm. now 
she's now taking the kids away and is on the way to the back. Um, and there's one bit where Foley's down on the ground and he stands up and he looks like he's trying to like present his back to walk so he can hit it. That didn't happen, so he just turned around and gets another chair shot to the head. And I think that's the second to last one. And then the last one, I don't think Foley was expecting that one. Because he's really just like whack and then he's just down and he's out at that point. Um, what kind of drags a bit to the crowd and then goes, you know, say I quit. And you hear, I quit, I quit, I quit. And uh, that's it. Walk wins. Um, you find out the day after that was all bullshit as a recording. But... Yeah, it's it's from a promo that he cut. I think earlier that night on Sunday Night Heat, if memory yeah. serves. Yeah, um, I told you it was like one of the interviews did in the build-up. Um, yeah. Obviously, Mankind is probably legitimately knocked out uh, as he gets treated by the doctor. Um, and the walk goes to the referee like, no, get my championship <laughs> He goes to the wing. Uh, the commentators are here are, well, Cole is obviously disgusted by the Rock's actions. And King is like going, well, um, I didn't, no, I, I think he went a bit too far, but he's a champion, so, you know, and justify the means kind of thing. And the bit that I'm kind of a, a torn at is at the end, because obviously the referees and the doctor is treating mankind, making sure he's okay. And the Rock is such a dick move. He like pushes them all away and then stands over mankind holding the title. Mm-hmm. And uh, which I, is a dick. I mean, but it's a classic dick move. Oh, it is. Yeah. I think. I think. I think the reason for more of a dick move. I don't think Rock realized how badly hurt Foley is. So it does feel like he is. He is generally being a dick there. Yeah. Um, yeah. The referee's been a little stretchy, but. Fully refuses and he helps out. And they can see the documentary. You know, obviously the kids are well, um, the buff's still set, but obviously not crying. And you know, Foley, everyone's trying to reassure them. It's only a little boo Only a little boo boo. was like, he's got this massive gash in the front of his head. There's blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. And one thing I noticed about, um, one thing I saw especially when I read Foley's book is that obviously everyone's like crashing, like crashing the mankind. Except for the walk, the walk is the only person that doesn't come up to my thing after the match, and surely, I don't know, it's like you, because obviously you have the match with someone, you were like, no, speak to each other after the match. It's like, what was? Do you think what the walk was thinking of? Was he probably a bit too caught up with what happened and just forgot, or? What do you I, think, I couldn't even. I don't even know that I could hazard a guess on that I I mean you would like to think that he's not just a motherfucker who wouldn't say anything yeah I know so I would say that either in the excitement he got I I, yeah I don't know I don't know I mean obviously they've obviously passed up the difference because they formed the walk of sub connection yeah right and by all accounts they're actually pretty decent friends in, yeah. in real life and all that so yeah, I mean, clearly they patched it up at some point and they came to an understanding but I couldn't even say what would have possessed the rock to not say anything yeah um yeah so the match I saw the match itself I mean it's I really enjoyed it but I enjoyed it a lot of the time but especially now where we've all doing things about concussions and um I know you're, we're both NFL fans and talking about, about you know, concussions there and concussions with rugby, which is the sport I play. Um, kind of, I think if you trans, if you've had that era 
now, I don't think it would be anywhere near as brutal as it ends up being. Especially with the chances no. they had. I don't, but I don't know that the brutality in this particular match makes it. I don't think you need to do that many chair shots, one, to carry across the point. And I don't think, you know, um, I think one thing that I noticed is I remembered this match being way longer than it actually is. Like, I felt like my memory of this match made me feel like it was, like, close to 30 minutes long. And that's, it's not, um... And, yeah, I mean, I, it, it holds up all right. The problem is that I have gotten away from really being into this style of match. And I do appreciate that there was a reason for it. There was a build. They had had, you know, four matches to this point. Or this was the fourth, you know, match in this feud, major match in this feud. Um, that established that. Because now my biggest problem with the way WWE books their pay-per-views now is that they have gimmick pay-per-views all the time. And so then it's like, well, it's going to be a hell in a cell match because this is the hell in a cell pay-per-view. So obviously, you know what I mean? Yeah. As opposed to these two guys hate the fuck out of each other. And so the only way this is going to get settled is in the cell in an I quit match in, you know, this, that, or the other thing. Um, so that part of it I appreciate, but generally speaking, this type of match doesn't interest me as much as it once did, and I think there's still a time and a place for hardcore matches um, and gimmick matches, but I, like, I, I mean, these guys are still really good, but I just, if I was going to just pick out a Rock versus Mankind match that I wanted to sit down and watch to watch a good wrestling match, it wouldn't be this one. Aside from all the things that we've already mentioned like seven times about like how uncomfortable and kind of gross it is for yeah. other reasons. It's um I mean to turn the feud itself they have few matches, they have the empty arena match at half time heat, which the mankind wins. And um, they have I think it was the first last man standing match that WWE ever had. I said and after draw because they both hit each other in the head with chairs and in the draw. And then I think what wins the title the day after. Um, in terms of all the matches in that feud, is there one specific match that you enjoyed out of all of them? Um, probably the match at Rock Bottom is probably the one. Although the Empty Arena match is good. I haven't watched it in a while, though, so I don't yeah. know that I can give you an... Like I've, I've watched the Rock Bottom match in the last year. I have not watched the Empty Arena match in some time, so I don't know that I could really comment on that. I know that I hate the the finish of the empty arena match where they like the camera switches to the forklift cam as it like lowers onto the rock's chest yeah like that's horrible and i hate that so that affects my view of that match a, a little bit i suppose but um it's probably the one from rock bottom um because the one at survivor series isn't very long yeah um the one at rock bottom, I feel like, is long enough to get a good rhythm, and um, it's not overly gimmicky. And um, I think that's you know, that's a pretty good piece of work. And again, I mean, this match is decent. I also, I, I mean, I still really like the the match from Royal Rumble the following year, yeah, um, Triple match. H. Um, but again, that match really also has a good trajectory as far as storyline goes, as far as the hardcore thing goes, and also. Well, there's thumbtacks and there's all that stuff. There are significantly fewer like blows to the head, um, <laughs> um, yeah, which isn't to say there's no blows to the head, but oh, there yeah. are significantly fewer than in this match. 
Yeah, I mean, I think with that match, it's um, I actually watched that match live, and um, which was pretty impressive because it was two o'clock in the morning when it when it took place. And, right. and I mean, it's one of my favorite matches, and it's obviously but just watching it, that brutality because that was before I watched this I Quit match, mm-hmm. and I was always in the Hell in a Cell match. And one thing I found, one thing I found very unique about Foley is that if, if you can pick any wrestler, you know, like the finest match, the finest hour. It's a match that they like. They won. Foley must be the only wrestler now who has had three, like, previous the great matches in the Hell in a Cell is the most well known for. Yet he lost both of them. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. I just find it really, really weird. Like, he must be the only wrestler now who's had all these. He's known for a match that he lost in. Yeah, that's true. He's known for a lot of matches that he lost, actually. Foley was really great at putting people over. He was yes. sort of the anti-NWO uh, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, in this time frame. Uh, so he's now the anti-Lex Luger and the anti-NWO. But Foley made a career of, of having a, a reputation as someone who is legitimately dangerous. Um, you know, Everybody bought that he was a scary dude who could absorb a lot of punishment and because of that he could get somebody over. If you if you had a win over Mick Foley, that was a big rub for someone who I mean, I think it, in a lot of ways it legitimized... Well, so first of all, he had a ton of great matches with Triple H even yeah. before their world title feud. But I think their world title feud in particular legitimized Triple H as, as world champion, if that makes sense. Sort of the way that Hogan's victory over Andre kind of legitimized Hogan as a world champion. Um, I think that that Triple H's feud with Foley legitimized him as a world champion. Yeah, I I think it did. Um, That's it. So, um, Joe, uh, where can we find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me at uh, onthestick.com is probably the best place. You can find all the other stuff that I do there as well as the uh, the video game stuff, but it's all there at onthestick.com. There's separate URLs, but that's the best place to go. So if you go to onthestick.com, you'll find my um, uh, onthestick.com uh, whenever we feel like it video game podcast. Uh, I do video stuff. I'm actually going to go edit a video about uh, Shinobi, <laughs> um, uh, by which I mean the video game, not Al Snow, um, after this, uh, after we're done recording here. And um, we also do the What a Maneuver weekly wrestling podcast, which is uh, Eric and my weekly sojourn into the world of professional wrestling circa 1997. And uh, we do a thing called The Action Cast, which is the Internet's foremost action movie podcast. All that stuff is at onthestick.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at shake underscore well, if you are so inclined. I tweet a lot about old video games and pro wrestling and genre cinema. So if that's the thing you're into, you should follow me on Twitter. Yes, and um, that's for me. Um, you can follow me on my on Twitter at, at Lola Wesson, all one word. The podcast is located on lolawesson.wordpress.com. And the website, which um, pretty much just pretty much just pay views at the minute, is on lolawesson.wordpress.com. Um, Joe, fucking much once again for being on the show. Oh uh, yeah, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. And um, join me next time where I have no clue what I'm going to be doing, but hopefully be be with a guest, and it will be something from 1981 to the present day. Until then, uh, thank you for listening and goodbye.